Hello, and welcome back to One Conversation, the podcast where we believe one conversation can change a life. So March is Women's History Month, and we want to spend some time honoring women and all of the incredible, amazing, life-giving, powerful things that we are capable of. So some of our reoccurring listeners, you may remember that Brie announced her pregnancy on the podcast last year, and then we didn't have her back for a while as a host, right, during her maternity leave. But now that she's back and in the full swing of things, she has a lot to say about the realities of postpartum mental health. And you know us. Uh, If you, again, have listened to us before, we love having the conversations that maybe not everyone is having, but we think they should be having. So here we are again with another topic that we definitely think needs a lot more attention. Yes. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in. If you've made it this far, I can assume you have at least a little bit of interest in hearing more about birth and postpartum. When I was pregnant, I listened to all the birth story podcasts, (laughs) literally Google searches of the best birth podcasts and just... You know, I was cleaning something and I'd be listening to it. I was driving somewhere and I'd be listening to it. I was all about preparing for birth. I had my partner take an online birth course with me. I spent hours and hours researching everything, joining all of the birth prep Facebook groups, all things birth. (laughs) So I felt relatively prepared for it. But what I did not prepare for at all and did not even realize I needed to be preparing for was postpartum and postpartum mental health. Yeah. And looking back, I absolutely should have because it definitely hit me very hard and it has now changed the way that I talk to new moms or other moms entirely. I want to share my experiences so that more people can have an understanding of what can come up for postpartum mental health and how we can have productive and supportive conversations with new mothers. Like Lisa was saying, women are so powerful, and I want to highlight how we can take care of those powerful women, especially when the focus can so easily be shifted to the new baby. You know, you have this new precious life form. Everybody's all focused on them and wanting to hold them and everything, asking how they're doing. Mm -hmm. But I want to reiterate, and I will do this again um, towards the end of the podcast, but really focusing on what are we doing to take care of the mom? Are we asking how she's doing? There's a lot that she just went through. There's a lot that she's currently going through. So we're going to talk about that and make sure that we understand a little bit more of what she might be experiencing and why we should care about it. Yeah, I think that's so powerful too. And it's, you know, it's interesting for me. I am not a mother. I hope to be a mom sometime in the near future. Um, But, you know, a lot of my close friends, my best friends have become mothers over the the past couple years. And just hearing about their experiences, which is 
vastly different than having your own experience, but just listening to them um, and them sharing some of their struggles, right? And dealing with the emotions and the hormones and, and just some of the after effects that can come out of having a baby, right? Such as postpartum. Uh, I've definitely made it a priority when I am speaking to a new mom to, yeah, also ask them how they're doing. Because I feel Good. like it's just, Good for you. <laughs> well, right. And it's like, but it's so easy, right? Like, it's so easy to be like the new baby and, and almost framing it with like those rose colored lenses that like, this is definitely such a joyous time for you. You know, maybe there's a couple of sleepless nights, but like you have this baby and everything's great and wonderful. And, you know, having more of like the insider story and opinion and, you know, them sharing about their experiences has like shed so much light to me in terms of like, I need to check in with them. And it's really important that we do Mm -hmm. that, right? Which is just, yeah, it's something that's really interesting because it kind of just... I don't know. It's something we don't really necessarily think about, right? With all this excitement of a baby being around. Right. Yeah, we kind of just expect, oh, you have this new little human, like you're just overjoyed and things are all great, right? Right. Yeah. Most moms, uh, this is a generalization for sure, but a lot of moms will present that way because they want you to think like that. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as all the guests leave, that's when it all comes out. At least that's what what my experience was. (laughs) Yeah. And we'll talk about it also uh, in the podcast here. You might present that way at the doctor too when they're doing those questionnaires Mm -hmm. and make it seem all fine. But really, what is going on? That's what we're going to talk about. So... Lisa, I know you've talked with your friends and done a little bit of research about this. Sounds like maybe more than I did. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know if I go that far. Pregnant. <laughs> I don't know if I go that far. Well, I mean, when I was pregnant, I did zero research on postpartum mental health. And it sounds like you're coming into this already with more than I had when I was pregnant. So that's good. But what <laughs> have you heard about as far as postpartum depression, anxiety, the baby blues, anything? Uh, what are you coming to this conversation with as far as information about those? Yeah, so I will say um, that before kind of researching for this podcast episode, right, I would say my knowledge was pretty limited. Again, I did hear you know, a few stories, um, you know, a few of my close girlfriends did suffer with maybe the baby blues or postpartum. They just shared, you know, a little bit about that experience with me. Um, but it, it's interesting because now I'm, I'm hearing the term postpartum anxiety as well. And honestly, that's something new for me because I think postpartum depression, albeit it's not really talked about a lot. It, you know, I think makes a lot of people maybe uncomfortable or you don't want to share those experiences. But postpartum depression definitely like has come to the surface of a lot more conversations. Whereas postpartum anxiety, I was like, oh, wow. I mean, it makes sense, but it was just something I hadn't really heard about, right? Um, but I'll tell you what, it was really interesting because, you know, doing research on this episode, like we do research for all of our episodes and just coming across you know, certain statistics for postpartum depression. Um, And I have an article from the CDC here. It says one out of 10 women in the U.S. (laughs) reported symptoms that suggest they experienced. Right, right. And I'm like, (laughs) one out of 10. And I'm like, first and foremost, that's still a lot. But I was even thinking, and you already kind of mentioned this, that a lot of moms maybe aren't going to disclose that, right? Or they're going to try to deal with this on their own, whatever way that looks like for them, right? And, you know, I can imagine that, yeah, with so many people around them saying this is such a good time and, you know, like you, sh- you should feel so blessed and just all these different things and 
well-intended comments that could come out of, you know, having a newborn that part of that, yeah, may just like add that pressure, right? Or that stigma that they should be in a better mood, that they should be looking at this in such a beautiful way. And if they are feeling depressed or anxious that maybe there's something wrong with them, right? Or, or that they shouldn't be feeling that way. Almost a sense of like shame uh, yep. or inadequacy as a mom, which is just so not the case and so not true. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was a long-winded answer, but I'll say again, like not a whole lot, right? I know a statistic now, even doing the research, I know a little bit yeah. more about it. Um, but, you know, I will say, I'll stop right here and say that I just want to also thank you for sharing because this is, you know, your own personal account of this. And I can imagine this is, you know, was definitely not an easy time for you going through um, any postpartum, whether it be anxiety or depression, but also just to come on and, and have this be an education piece for others, like just a huge, huge thank you for doing that. Yeah, and I'll share with you when I was writing out my thoughts for this, I had to write out some of it so that I kept myself on track. I'm sure we'll have a couple tangents where I'll go, and one more thing, you know. <laughs> I, I expect myself to have a couple of those. And you go, you go. <laughs> I'm going to have a pedestal in a couple spots here. But when I was writing it, I was definitely putting myself back in those times and reliving it a little bit to write mm -hmm. out my experience, you know, and it was difficult for me. I had to stand up from writing at my computer and I ended up sharing with my coworkers some of the things that I was writing about. And she had a reaction of, oh, maybe I don't want to have kids. And for all of you listening, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want that to come from this discussion. Right. I just want it to be real. And I, well, I want you to know that this is a possibility and to prepare for it so that you don't have my same experience so that you don't just fall flat on your face into postpartum depression or anxiety. Right. I think if you know it could be coming and you have some safeguards for mm -hmm. it and some ways that you already can imagine that ways that you might cope with it, you know, you don't know how it's yeah. going to affect you until you get there. But if you do the research, you have the conversations with other moms, see what worked for them, you can be more prepared and you don't have to have these experiences that I'm detailing. So with that also being said, please, please remember to take care of yourselves throughout mm -hmm. this. If you need to pause and get up and go take a walk outside, anything like that, please do that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we definitely want to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves as talking as we're talking through this. So although I didn't have the labor I exactly planned for, I think we'll go into that on another episode. It was too much to put in the, the same episode and give both of them the time that they deserve both stories. So I wanted to go medication free. I ended up not going medication free, but end of the day, I don't regret anything. And mm -hmm. overall, it went well. I didn't really have uh, any traumatic experiences in my birth, like I know that some moms do. It was 30 hours of Ooh. really hard work. <laughs> Just thinking about that, I want everyone to stop and take a moment. Like if you are someone who has not delivered a baby, I want you to think about the most grueling painful and physically exerting thing that you can do and now think about doing that for 30 I'll say that again 30 hours and to me that is that is just the ultimate warrior right there for any mom to give birth I just wanted to sorry to interrupt the story I'm just no, like thinking good. about that as an outsider I'm like man 30 hours like bless you 
Yeah, one of the funniest parts of that is we checked in to the hospital on Sunday evening and then labored all day Monday and then she was born Tuesday morning and that Monday was my birthday. Wow. So, so I I was in labor every single minute of my 28th birthday. So believe me, I have big plans for my birthday this year to make up for the 29. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You better. We're all hoping that you do. Yes. Yeah. We thought we were going to share a birthday, but nope. She needed to stay in there a little bit longer. So even after that 30 hours, and I I actually did the first 24 hours unmedicated, and then I was I chose the epidural for the last six hours. And again, no regrets on that, but I did feel like absolute superwoman after that. It I'm was sure. just... I was so impressed that my body created this human that I was able to do that. I was definitely feeling like superwoman. Yeah. And she was and is still so perfect in our eyes. But Mm -hmm. here's where the real talk is coming in. Uh, We were not blessed with a babe who slept in her bassinet at all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We had, I think, four or five of the different nurses on the floor who would come in and try and settle her in the bassinet and little strong-willed little babe was just not (laughs) having it. It was our Mm. arms or it was absolutely nothing. Wow. So we did not sleep. I lost sleep while I was in labor, you know, right. getting good 30 rest hours. while you have the contractions going. Mm-hmm. And then I lost sleep because she was just not happy unless she was being held. And we were in the hospital for a total of three nights. But during that time, I probably slept a total of eight hours across those three nights. Wow. So this is insane sleep deprivation. We are bringing home a newborn and we are going into it very, very sleep deprived. Just exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to take into consideration everything that my body just went through. And so I'm extra physically exhausted from that as well. So when we got home, my husband's mom, my mother-in-law, she was there to greet us. We walked in, we got the baby settled, and then I completely lost it. Yeah. I was bawling. I was shaking. I was completely hysterical. Remember, I said I was prepared for birth, but not postpartum. So I right. had no idea what my body or my mind were going through at this point. I was talking to my husband about how sleep deprived I was, and he's a, a paramedic. And so he he's not running on the ambulances anymore, but when he was... He would sometimes take people to locations four hours away in the middle of the night. And so he would have experiences where he wouldn't sleep for one or two days. And he said that he could identify with my experience of being so tired that you're just shaking. Mm -hmm. And that had never happened to me before. And now it's happening to me while I know that I have this new little life to take care of. And it was so much pressure on me. I was just hysterically crying. And so Mm. my mother-in-law walked in and she saw me in this state and she immediately drew me a warm bath with some 
um, fresh lavender that we have. And quick note here, I did have a vaginal birth and I did have stitches. And so I'm not sure that hopping into a home bath with some fresh lavender was completely the best thing medically (laughs) to do at the time. Frankly, I did not care. It just sounded like something that I was willing to try to get my body to just stop being hysterical right yeah like you're gonna do anything at that point to yeah try to help yeah. your body calm down right I was so much caught up in my head that I wasn't even really thinking about hey probably not the best idea for stitches very much yeah. an open wound down there right now 24 hours ago and uh yeah that was not on my brain at all I just knew that I needed to do something and so the bath did work for a little bit. It helped to calm me down. And then she took the baby and I was able to get down for a two-hour nap. I I do remember it was still so hard to sleep because I was still shaking and my mind was racing. But mm. physically, I knew I needed the sleep so bad. So I was able yeah. to get a two-hour nap. I was feeling better after the nap. Definitely still in an emotional hangover, you know, I could Mm -hmm. still cry at the drop of a hat at nothing, not even really know the reason why. Right. And the next day, my crying hysterics came back. I would just burst out crying. Again, I couldn't really pinpoint anything that was going on. It was just coming out of me and I could not, I didn't feel like I could control it. My husband would Mm -hmm. take the baby so that I could try and calm myself down, you know, because I found out if I was crying, that would like rile up the baby to be crying. And that's not helping anybody. But then my husband would take the baby and I'd feel guilty that I was crying so hard that I couldn't take care of my baby. And it was just this vicious cycle of, you know, I'm I'm feel like I'm harming her, which I wasn't crying in front of her is not harming her at all. And then I would feel guilty that I couldn't even take care of my own baby because I couldn't get my own stuff together. And it was just this vicious cycle of like, not good enough. Why am I crying? I'm not good enough. And I just could not get out of that cycle. So I actually do have a few mom friends who I could have texted, you know, I definitely have their numbers know that they would have responded to me, but I was so embarrassed that I didn't want to. Instead, what I did was I turned to complete strangers on Facebook. Mm. I searched for Facebook mom groups where I wanted to get advice from complete strangers who I hoped wouldn't judge me for being so hysterical and all of my crazy questions that I had. Right. If you have ever been a part of a mom Facebook group, you might be chuckling at this part because those groups are full of judgment. I was going to say, yeah, I'm kind of worried (laughs) where that was going to go. But I'm like, ah, maybe not the most like non-judgmental platform on a Facebook mom group, but. No, no. That's one of the many, many lessons that are wrapped up in this story is that's not where you're going to get your advice and your I'm here for you let's talk about it wrong Mm. place but that's the place that I decided to go so you combine that me reading all the comments of people telling me what I need to be doing combine that with the 2 a.m googling sessions of how to get my baby to sleep and stressing about that at 2 4 and 6 Mm a.m and more times (laughs) and 
I mean, my anxiety was through the roof. I think I've shared on here before that I have been diagnosed with general anxiety disorder in the past. Mm-hmm. And I think in the past couple of years before pregnancy, I had pretty much had it under control. So really, I looking back, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda, I probably right. should have known that I was going to be at an increased risk for having postpartum anxiety and depression. But again, not something I even spent a single minute looking into. Right. So there's actually pictures of me during this time that are unfortunately hard for me to look at now. And it really sucks for me to say that. And this is one of those times I'm really being really open and just having this open conversation because you want to look back and see all the pictures of you and your baby and just love seeing those pictures. Yeah. And the ones where I can see like my whole face and I can, I, it takes me back to what I was experiencing in that moment. And that's right. not, you know, I, I, it's even now I'm like embarrassed to say it, but that's not fun for me to look at those pictures and to relive that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yes, my baby girl was in the world after we waited so long for her, but I didn't have that like immediate, I am so in love with motherhood, this motherly bliss, look at my newborn and look at how perfect we are. I didn't have that. I was struggling and I had no idea how to handle it. I didn't know what steps to take to navigate that. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to pause right here. I know I'm going to be doing a lot of talking today but yeah just I think pausing on that note of not everybody's gonna have that oh my gosh here's my baby life is perfect we are in this blissful moment together that's not how it always goes and Lisa I'm I'm curious your reactions on that you know I'm I'm really happy that we're taking a pause there because just listening to that a couple things really kind of jumped out at me um First and foremost, you know, that you you kind of stated, right, you're beginning to feel all these things and this overwhelmingness and the anxiety and a lot of this stuff coming up and saying, you know, I, I could have reached out to a select group of people that I, that I knew, right, for advice or for some support, but you were embarrassed. Um, and you mentioned that again, right, and like looking at the photos of you and your daughter early on and feeling like this sense of embarrassment. And it's, it's so mind-boggling and interesting to me this, this whole phenomena for, for new mothers to, and you know, I, I guarantee you're not the only one, right? Um, I know there's many women probably out there listening to this right now that probably so greatly identified with that and have gone through those same kind of conflicting feelings and feeling embarrassed, right, about what's going on for them. But it's just really interesting. Like, why is it embarrassment that comes up? Because uh, again, you know, just looking at that little silly CDC statistic, right, of one in 10 women, if that's really accurate, which we know there's probably more than that, right, out there that maybe are just undiagnosed or not speaking up. But just knowing how common it is, um, you know, like this just shouldn't be something that women are embarrassed about. And, you know, your experiences, they speak differently as well as a lot of other women's experiences, right? And I think that's really interesting to kind of stop and pick that apart a little bit of like, why is it this sense, you know, after your body has been through so much, you know, like a essentially like a major surgery, like a traumatic event to your body to deliver your oh, it's baby. it's a huge hormone shift. Right. Yeah. Like every single thing in your body is different or it's changing yeah. or it's adapting and trying to like bounce back. Right. And so 
Of course, like hormonal imbalances, of course, just different feelings, of course, just your body really healing um, after such an incredible change to your entire chemical makeup, right? Your physical makeup. Mm -hmm. It just makes so much sense that there's going to be possibly some issues that come out of that. So yeah, it's just really interesting for me to hear that embarrassment piece. And another thing you mentioned was that this was something you just like didn't really research, you know, because there's so many other things going on. And I'm like, well, yeah, right? Because even now, um, you know, again, I hope to be a mom in the near future. And, you know, I've already begun to look at like, oh, like the diet for pregnancy. And since I'm a vegetarian, like, can I do that while I'm pregnant? And like all this other stuff and like parenting styles and sleep training. But I mean, amidst all of this, which is so huge and so important, but like the, the level of things you have to learn and get ready for yeah. and prepare for. It just seems a little insurmountable. So it's like, of course, there may be one or two of these things that kind of get shuffled to the wayside, right? Because how how are you supposed to take all that in, right? Like I need to learn it's about- part of the pressure. Yeah. Right. And that's what I'm thinking is just what an overwhelming task, not only to physically- be pregnant and give birth, but like on top of that, everything else that you know women need to do um, to really quote unquote prepare right for the, for this child and for all those things that may come um, in this postpartum stage. It's just really unbelievable to me, um, and I think I'm getting a better sense of like again not just the birth and the delivery, but like how much work goes into planning for a baby right like outside mm -hmm. of that whole physical process and so yeah to me I'm just like I kind of have anxiety just thinking about all that so like of course <laughs> like women <laughs> who go through this like probably might at the end of the day right like have anxiety given your hormones given all the things that your body went through so yeah it's just oof. that's just it's a lot it's a lot and again I'm just gonna right now just thank you again for sharing all this because I know I'm learning a lot today and I guarantee there's probably a lot of women out there that are feeling really heard and seen and validated by this conversation already. Yeah, and Lisa, I have no doubt that you will make the cutest babies ever. So please don't let me again. Oh, I don't want to <laughs> dissuade the I don't want to dissuade anyone from having children from this discussion. You know, mm -hmm. there is a lot that comes along with parenting, with being a new parent. But right. there is a lot that you take day by day, and sometimes you figure out sure. your parenting style, and sometimes your baby figures out sleep before you even have to consider sleep training. Right. You know, there is so much that can go into it, but sometimes I have to remind myself, people have been having babies literally since the beginning of time. This is the only yeah. way that new humans come on the earth. And people used to do it before Google. People used to do mm -hmm. it before the internet. You know, people used to do it before even books. Like, right. <laughs> this is something that, you know, you can take day by day if it feels overwhelming. And I think this is, see, here's a tangent a little bit. You go uh, get on that soapbox. There's also too much information out there mm -hmm. because that was part of my 2 a.m., 3 a.m. insert random middle of the night time here googling sessions was because I was hampering down any maternal instincts that mm. were coming up I was pushing those down and inserting them with articles that I was finding online 
Yeah. Because I had so much anxiety that I wasn't able to really separate the maternal instinct from the anxiety. And so because Mm -hmm. of that, I wasn't trusting my maternal instincts that were there. I just, I was so overwhelmed by it. I pushed it down and I just trusted whatever stranger had the most appealing website that I found at 2 or 3 a.m. And I think part of what brought me out of my postpartum anxiety was not doing all of that research. When something was happening, you know, she was crying. I had that conversation in myself of, okay, what do I feel like she needs right now? I've spent some time getting to know my baby. You know, we as her parents know her the best. And she's learning how to do this, too. It's not like she's been a baby before and she knows what to do. We are all learning this together. What do I think from my experience with her is going on right now? And I found out that it was actually a lot easier to follow that because you don't have to, like, try to calm the baby while you're on your phone, trying to look something up, and you're getting all stressed about what, you know, research is right. And there's, I mean... Especially like sleep training is a great example of that. There's some people that say sleep train at five months. And there's some people that say never sleep train. You know, you can, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy of you'll find on the internet whatever answers you're already kind of looking for. Mm -hmm. So take most of that internet out of the equation. You know, it does have a purpose. But for me personally, I was leaning on it more than I was leaning on what is this baby in front of me telling me? Like your and own so that intuition. Was, yes, that was a huge thing. I still kept my phone around me for the middle of the night, but I made a rule for myself that I could only look at funny memes between like 9 p.m. to 8 a.m. I could not look up anything. And if I still wanted to look it up when we woke up in the morning, then fine. I can do it then during the day. But in the middle of the night, it was nothing but uplifting things, encouraging things, things that would make me laugh. Uh, So that's what I had to do for myself and eventually start to trust my instinct more than I trusted whoever on the internet. Right. Yeah. All right. Bringing it back from that tangent. (laughs) So thankfully, my husband did do some learning about postpartum depression and anxiety. He had listened to a couple audio books. So thank you, husband. Yes. Good job. (laughs) For keeping us up on that. And he had learned about the huge hormone shift that happens after birth. There is so much physically and emotionally that changes and what the first few days or weeks can look like. And so he knew to expect some crying spells, but not necessarily as bad as I was having them. We had a few real conversations where he expressed he was worried about me and I agreed with him. Like, I'm worried about me too. Yeah. Uh, but we had no idea where to turn for help or what to do to help me. We just kept pressing forward. And like I said, we just kept figuring out day by day, okay, this is working, this is not working. And eventually we got to a place where I was in a healthier space, but it took a lot of guesswork. Sure. Yeah. So you mentioned you hadn't really heard about postpartum anxiety. And Mm -hmm. I, when you go to your pediatrician appointment, they do a postpartum depression scale with you. I was never given a 
postpartum anxiety scale. I don't know if one exists. I don't know if they do them anywhere else. I don't know if that's like a such a new concept they don't do it or if they like only care about treating depression or what. But I feel like yeah. I, although I, I think I would have fit under depression also, I think a lot of what I was dealing with was anxiety mm-hmm. and there just purely was not a measure for that. So we're going to talk about the wow. depression scale Uh, But just know that that I think I maybe would have answered uh, an anxiety scale to the point where maybe they would have had services offered. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just a whole lot going on with this depression scale. So let's get into that. If you have never taken the Edinburgh depression scale, go ahead and maybe Google it or maybe we'll leave a link to one in the notes so you can kind of follow along with it. Yeah, we'll link it. Okay, for me personally, this question was given at the first bundle of pediatrician appointments. And so that was at two days, two weeks, one month, two month, three month, and then finally at her six month. So I took this scale for all of those appointments. So before we go into some of the questions on this scale, I'm going to set the scene for you so that you know what you're walking into when you're handed this piece of paper. So you are newly postpartum. You're still figuring out how to live in this newly changed body of yours and how to live with this new human of yours. Right. You pack up the baby, you head to the doctor's office. Maybe baby was screaming the whole way and that's stressing you out. Mm-hmm. You try to calm down the baby so that you're not the one making the scene at the doctor's office. Once you're in the room, they have you undress your newborn, which newborns hate, mm-hmm. and then set them on a cold, hard scale which newborns also hate. Yeah. (laughs) You're trying to keep it together. Your ankles are swollen. You need to change your pad. You're thirsty and running on fumes since you have barely slept. You can finally pick up and comfort your baby off of the scale and they hand you this paper to fill out. Perfect timing. Yeah. You rush to fill it out because you just want everything to be okay and you just want to go back home. Mm -hmm. The doctor spends a few minutes with your baby and then as she's heading out the door says... Oh, let's take a look at this. I'm sure you're doing fine. And spends about Mm. 2.5 seconds looking at your answers. End of appointment. All right. So here's the questionnaire. Lisa, go ahead and introduce our listeners to this questionnaire. Yeah. So I'm pulling this up here. First and foremost, it is 10 questions long, which I'm kind of seeing one hand of this being like, okay, you know, you are on that possibly in that situation right where like the baby's crying and you're like let me just get out of this office so 10 questions might be good right it's like quick and simple but also I think to capture the depth of like postpartum what that feels like part of me is like is 10 questions enough probably not um and also let's just get into some of these questions here um question one I have been able to laugh and see the funny side of things and there's four answers. It's almost almost kind of like a Likert scale. Uh, the first one being, um, you know, I can as much as I always could, or not quite so much now, or definitely not so much now, or not at all. So, and I'll stop and say this, it, this is a completely unrelated subject, but I actually, for fun, uh, was reading about like different personality types not long ago and was taking a personality quiz online, like for fun, right? Like when you're bored and it's late. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I was like answering the questions and I found myself 
definitely fluffing my answers, right? Because there were some of them where I was like, hmm, probably not. Or like, maybe not so much. I'm like, but you know, I'm adaptable. I'll put kind of sometimes instead, right? So like, just looking at this, I'm imagining and trying to understand that experience and where my emotions might be, right? And like where my head might be at considering all of those factors. Um, And I could totally see myself like not completely lying, but definitely downplaying, right? Like, no, I got this. I'm doing fine. I know motherhood is tough, but you know, not that bad. It's, you know, maybe as much as I always could, or maybe not so, not quite so much now, instead of like the definitely not at all answers. Um, So yeah, so it's just really interesting for me to kind of just stop and think about that, like the amount of women that probably breeze through this, um, maybe just for time time's sake for them like just get this done and get out or again going back to that like kind of embarrassment or that possible shame right of them not wanting to reveal like no I'm really struggling which could be hard especially if like a lot of doctors are kind of lacking that contact with the mom you know what I mean if it's more just about of course it should be about the baby but like at the same time it really should be about the mother too right and the doctor should really take time for that um So that's my little two cents. But uh, a few more of these questions so our listeners can hear more about them, even though, again, we're going to link this below so you can go ahead and and take a look at this as well. Uh, The next one, I have looked forward with enjoyment to things. Answers as much as I ever did, rather less than I used to, definitely less than I used to, hardly at all. Question three, I have blamed myself unnecessarily when things went wrong. Yes, most of the time. Yes, some of the time. Not very often. No, never. Um, yeah, so we will not read them all off. Again, you can click on the, the link to it below and go go see. But yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like that is not the most effective tool to gauge where new moms might be at. Um, yeah, it's hard for me to say, but I'm like, overall, it just does not scream extremely useful to me. Yeah, so I came across a website. It was actually... Uh, European based, but it was some providers who were looking for feedback from moms about this scale and their opinions on it. And there were three comments made on it that really stuck out to me and conveyed how I felt about it. So I'm going to read those comments from them. So the first one says, I lied on mine first time around as I didn't want anyone to know how I felt and how ashamed I was that I was feeling like a failure if Mm. I got a bad score. Yeah. Next one. I knew exactly how to answer the questions to appear fine despite knowing I had postpartum depression. I already felt like a complete failure without admitting to a doctor that I already didn't feel comfortable with. And a note on this one... When you're going to the pediatrician for the two-day or the two-week appointment, you haven't had interactions with your pediatrician before because your baby right. was still inside of you. So this is a very new provider. And Lisa, like you said, yes, they are there to take care of the baby, right? They're a pediatrician. Mm-hmm. But if they're going to give you this scale, they right. need to be responsive to the answers on this scale and therefore have it be a dual appointment and not just focusing on the baby and then, oh, did you fill that out? I'm sure it's fine. Oh, you're doing fine. Okay, see you in a couple weeks or see you in a couple months. Yeah. 
they introduce it with that expectation that they think you're fine. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a formality. Yes. Yeah, it's just, oh, this is just part of our protocol. Right. And so if you get that reaction, if you lie on the first one and you get that reaction, do you think I'm going to come in for the one-month appointment and be honest on it? No. Yeah. Because I don't think you're going to have a very good reaction if I do that. Mm -hmm. It's going to be surprising to you. It's going to feel like it's taking more time out of your day that you might not have to spend on me as the mother. You have other sick kids to see. Mm -hmm. It's me feeling like I'm going to be a burden on you. And so, no, I'm just going to keep that to myself. One last comment here that I pulled from from that Facebook page was, I lied on mine because my anxiety made me feel like it was a, this is in quotes, how fit are you to be a mother, quote, scale. Mm. I thought they'd take my baby away if I scored badly. And that can be something that, especially when we're in the throes of postpartum anxiety that we can believe. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're thinking that, the world is just this like scary and intimidating place when you're in that anxiety. Right. Yeah, you can absolutely feel like answering honestly on a depression questionnaire will get your baby taken away. And that is scary. So horrifying and sad. It's so sad, right? Just to think about that and to know, I, I guarantee it wasn't just that one woman's experience that felt that way, right? Um but it's just it's just really heartbreaking. It's just this whole again this whole other level of like unnecessary shame and embarrassment and this feeling of inadequacy that is just not the case. Um, and I mean, if this is something too, like I had never heard of this scale before. Again, I'm not a mom yet, but I mean, even some of like my mom friends, like even in our conversations, that scale has never been brought up. Maybe they have seen it, and you know, it was just something we didn't chat about, but. If this is something that not a lot of women know about, right, especially maybe first-time moms going into this process and suddenly, like, here I am, everything in my life is different, I'm feeling entirely different, I can't express why, I'm having a hard time, I might be struggling with that, Uh, and now I'm given this questionnaire by, you know, a medical professional that brings up these triggering feelings of, you know, the realization of, like, how I'm really doing, and at the end of the day, if you really don't know exactly what this is for or maybe you have like the idea or the worry right that this isn't just the postpartum depression scale you know maybe this does launch something bigger maybe this does make me look like a bad mom maybe they will call cys or cps or whatever it is that's just oh that's just like so heavy to hear and to think about you know and Mm -hmm. yeah it's just it's unfortunate if these are given out in the context of it just feels like a formality um if it doesn't feel like that doctor then is going to or is kind of willing to like provide support even if the you know the questionnaire did speak to maybe this mom needs more support um it's just it's unfortunate you know i think it's a huge missed opportunity to provide pretty crucial support that a lot of moms need so even at my six-week ob checkup which is a provider who is solely focused on me, right? Mm -hmm. They had me do another questionnaire. I think it was 
same purpose but different questionnaire like it was still screening for postpartum depression but I don't remember the name of it because I only saw it that one time Mm -hmm. but exactly as you said Lisa it was introduced as I'm sure you're doing fine but here's something for you to fill out it's just protocol yeah they're treating it as nothing don't worry about it we're not going to spend much time on it so you shouldn't either is kind of how it's introduced yeah And there's a question on there, which I think there is on the Edinburgh too, but it was, for whatever reason, stood out a little bit more clearly to me on this questionnaire I did at my OBs. It was something about, I've been sleeping less now than I did when I was pregnant or before or something like that. And I remember joking with my OB, like, of course, like, is everyone sleeping less with a newborn? And that was the full extent of our conversation about it was we just joked about how that question was on there about losing sleep end of discussion end of appointment yeah and it's just it's interesting and I kind of just caught this the second time how you said it was kind of introduced and it's like I'm sure everything's fine but let's take a look I feel like it's almost this framing process of like we're expecting you to be fine and I'm sure that's how a lot of women especially in that moment like hear and receive that right I'm sure you're fine let's just make sure you are like I think that's a really damaging way to introduce that and to bring that up and, and start that conversation because you know, it really should just be like, let's see where you're at and, you know, what we can do to support you. I'm a big believer that verbiage, the way we say things is critically important, right? Especially for someone else to really feel supported and receive that. And I just think, man, what a missed opportunity, right? By some medical professionals who may be trying to do their best, but really just not putting it out there like they're providing that support that's really needed. And so, Brie, a big question for you as a mom, uh, how can we if you were going to think of some ways we could change that questionnaire or change that process to be beneficial for moms, what would that look like? Because I'm sure you have a lot of things to say about how that could be done a little bit differently. Yes. As far as the questionnaire goes, there needs to be more time spent on it. So maybe Mm. have the mom fill it out in advance so she's not rushed to do it in office when her baby is screaming You know, like I said, my husband's a paramedic, so he hasn't been able to make it to all of the appointments. And when I've done the appointment solo, it's a lot to juggle a baby who, again, does not want to be cold and Mm -hmm. not clothed on that scale. And you have the diaper bag and you have, you know, you have to do a diaper change with them. And it's just... There's so much going on and then adding on that questionnaire, that's not going to be your focus. You have so many other things you're trying to juggle in that appointment. And so sending it to moms beforehand, even if it's, you know, you want it to be relatively updated. So 24, 48 hours beforehand, maybe she has a little bit of extra time at home that would allow her to focus on it and think about her answers a little bit more than she is just in the office when she has 10 other things going on. Right. So I think that's one thing that would help it. But then when it comes up in the appointment, have time set aside to discuss it just as time is set aside to weigh and measure the baby. Yeah. You know, you're not going to rush through that. Oh, I she looks tall enough. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> right. But no, they don't do that for the baby. So why are we doing that for the depression questionnaire? Yeah. 
Looks like she's growing. She's fine. Yeah. Oh, she's got a little extra roll on her thigh than we had last appointment. We don't need to weigh her. I'm sure she's fine. They don't do that. Yeah. So why aren't we setting aside the time of, you know, you block out the appointment time and you need to have minimum, I would say, five to ten minutes Mm -hmm. to give the mom the space to feel like she can talk about what is going on and introduce it like you were saying lisa watching the verbiage on that of you know here's the statistics a lot of moms right now experience symptoms of depression and anxiety yeah i want to know where you are with this and if you want to talk about some things you're experiencing, I have the time right now to talk about. And if we need to talk about it further, I can give you community referrals. Yeah. How long was it for me to just say that just then? I would say I don't about know. 20 we could go back seconds. And time it, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say 20 seconds. Not long. But how much more inviting is that than, oh, here's this as part of our protocol. I'm sure you're fine. And validating, too. Yes. Yeah. Maybe I would have opened up if someone introduced it like that of, hey, you're not alone if you're going through some of this. And it's okay if you need help with it. I'm going to give you some resources and we can chat about it a little bit here. But let's talk about this. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I personally... It was never introduced to me in that way. If anyone listening has a provider who introduced it in that way, please share that provider along with where you live so that everyone who lives in that area can also use that provider. <laughs> yes. Go get that. Very great support. Yes. Yes. I. We just need to be giving mom's mental health the same priority as baby's physical health because they are so intertwined. I know, especially with my baby, every time I was frustrated or upset about something, I felt that increasing her frustration or her level of being upset. So my mental health directly influenced how she was feeling and not to that's not to shame or not to guilt any of the moms out there who are struggling with depression that is being untreated and you're having trouble you know getting through your day-to-day your your baby is okay Mm -hmm. you know you are not doing harm to your baby by doing that but you both could be doing better with more support if you are living through that I know from my experience, I wanted to be doing better. And so there are some things that we can be doing. You know, I'm not a therapist, but it is important to seek out the assistance for that. Totally. I think in general, society needs to talk more about it, just like we're talking about it right now. And I think we need to normalize not being in that happy newborn bliss for every moment after birth because that's not real. Yeah. Give moms the chance to open up about what they're going through with the assurance that there won't be judgment. Looking at you, Facebook groups. (laughs) (laughs) You are being targeted right now, Facebook mom groups. 
Yeah, and it's so important to just not assume that new moms or moms in general or really anyone in general are doing okay just because they're presenting okay. Because Mm -hmm. sometimes we become experts in presenting okay because we don't want those further questions asked because we are embarrassed and ashamed and feel guilty about how we are actually doing. Right. When you're checking in with a new mom, ask about her, not just the baby. How are you feeling? No, really, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. What do you want for dinner tonight? Can I hold the baby while you shower? Can I hold the baby while you nap? And then asking about the baby, don't just ask how the baby is sleeping or eating. We are already obsessed with that. <laughs> Everybody else <laughs> is all is already asking about that. We don't mm-hmm. want to keep talking about it. Ask them... What does your newborn like to stare at? You know, my baby Mm -hmm. girl loved to stare at ceilings and at ceiling fans. Ask them, you know, where their favorite spot in the house to be is. Where do Mm -hmm. they like hanging out? Any cute things they've done lately? You know, take that focus away from the eating or sleeping because asking the mom those questions can get them out of thinking in survival mode. Yeah. It gets them beyond that mundane eat, sleep, poop of the newborn days, you know? Right, yeah. Oh, my baby does enjoy being in this side of the house. Maybe we'll try spending more time at that side of the house. I didn't really mm-hmm. think about that. You get so caught up in, okay, got to feed the baby. Okay, got to change the diaper. Okay, got to make sure the baby is sleeping. Okay, got to try and get a nap for me, maybe. You know, you get so caught up in that and it's, I think it would be a game changer if people stopped asking about eating and sleeping and started asking more about like, what's your, what's your baby like? What do they enjoy? What are you enjoying about your baby? You know, turning around that conversation, I think can do a lot for legitimately checking in with that mom, not just the regular questions that everybody is already asking. I think the more we offer a safe space for new moms to truly express how they're doing, the more we will see how many moms actually go through this. And I think we will see that one in 10 statistic rise. Mm-hmm. I am so happy that you mentioned kind of those like example questions for the baby, because when you said that, you know, that all those other questions about their eating and their sleeping, you know, it that could put them right back in that survival mode because they're dealing yes. with like, oh, my God, did they eat enough or they're not eating yes. or they didn't sleep or and as someone who is not in the situation, like I would have never thought about that or thought about it in that way. Right. And in, in kind of the the anxiety or the stress that that could cause just bringing right. that up. Right. Like, oh, is the baby sleeping? Oh, my God. No. Right. Like that's a whole really kind of um, triggering conversation that that mom may be having, you know, and it just makes so much sense. Um, But I think, too, just like what you said, and just talking about this more, because I think it's so interesting that this has happened since the dawn of time, not just giving birth, but postpartum depression. I mean, somewhere along the lines, we finally named it and studied it and understand it. But this has been going on since the dawn of time. And the fact that it's there's such a reluctance around having this conversation when it could just make women's lives even a fraction easier during this mom time, right? And I'm just thinking, mm. like, why don't we why don't we talk about this more? Why don't we give people the opportunity, like you said in the beginning, almost like creating like a safety plan because we we love right. safety plans around here, yes, we right? Do. But almost giving an opportunity for like a safety plan because I think it's so much more empowering when, 
you know, we're not completely inundating ourselves. Like we kind of talked about that, right? Not taking in every bit of information, um, but really gaining the knowledge and the understanding of the ups and downs that could occur for our best benefit. So we're like empowered. So maybe we have the tools set up or we know someone or we're researching who in town has that great provider. And we do have those great experiences with, or, you know, people that we can really open up to and talk with, even if times do get, you know, a little scary or or really difficult for someone. And so, yeah, I think This was such an important conversation to have today. I know, again, I learned a ton um, and I'm really happy. And, you know, this is, you know, maybe an hour long, not even this episode. And I think a wealth of information has come out of this. And I'm, I'm just really thankful for you. Again, I cannot stop thanking you enough today for just getting into this. I know, again, this was not easy. Um, but super appreciative. And I, I'm really hoping and, you know, I'm thinking there's a lot of moms out there that are listening to this and do have that sense of validation right now, you know, because from I what I so. heard, yeah, yeah, and like from what I heard about a lot of these experiences, the questionnaire, it just seems like there's a lot of invalidation, right? And so mm-hmm. really happy that maybe we empowered some women out there today, maybe some potential new moms listen to this. And although, again, it's tough, but it's important to know, right? And I'm hoping yeah. that it doesn't dissuade anyone, you know, from having children. Yes. I know it didn't didn't dissuade me, right? Maybe Good. it just gave me an Bring idea. Bring on all the cute babies. <laughs> right? Yes. That's The world needs more of me. We all know that. Um, yes. Jokes aside, though, you know, it just, it gave me a sense of empowerment to feel a little more prepared, right? Or be in a space where I can now further prepare for some of these things that, again, they might happen statistically, it really might happen, right? And right. so I'm hoping there's a lot of women out there that also, yeah, feel like they're just a little more empowered on this path, right, to motherhood or already in their their postpartum journey. And so, oh, man, there's just a lot more we could have said. We, yeah. I think, really need to take a nice deep breath and do a little meditation. And what Sounds we're going to do – right? It does sound good. But today we're going to do something a little bit different. This is not going to take a lot of time. We're not going to go through essentially a guided meditation, uh, but I'm going to teach some breathwork technique. And I'm really hoping that, yeah, maybe there are those those busy moms out there, moms going through postpartum, and maybe just having this little breath technique kind of in their little toolkit, maybe can just, you know, ease up a little bit of tension or anxiety in their day. But of course, this is a great breath technique for anyone. So, Here's what we're going to do. Just go ahead and get yourself into a comfortable position. And you know what? If you are a mom-to-be out there, especially uh, or otherwise, just get into whatever position is comfortable. Maybe that's walking around. Maybe that is laying, sitting, standing, wherever you can feel comfortable. And what we're going to do, it's called square breathing. So I want you right now to either find a focal point in the room, or if you're comfortable, gently close your eyes. And this square breathing pattern is all about a count of four. So on your next inhale, inhale for one, two, three, four. Hold your breath, two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four. Again, inhale, one, two, 
two, three, four, hold, one, two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four. Continue with this breath a few more times on your own. Again, we're inhaling for a count of four, holding that breath for a count of four, before we exhale for a count of four, and hold for a count of four. And feel free to continue with this breathing for as long as you want. You can even pause the podcast here before we wrap up. If you want to just enjoy a few more of this square breath technique. But I will invite you to back into the room, revert back to your normal breathing. Gently float open your eyes. So again, I just wanted that to be quick, simple, easy. Again, something, you know, a mom on the go, uh, someone, anyone with a busy life can kind of introduce that breathing technique is really powerful. I think there's really like deep, deep calming and relaxation that comes with that square breathing technique. Um, So yeah, go ahead. And even if you have you know, an opportunity to complete one of those breath cycles, I think it's definitely going to be, you know, just a nice little, a nice little relaxing breath in your day, but feel free to add that in wherever you can. But before we round out here, um, Bree, do you have any lasting messages to anyone, any new moms or soon to be moms out there or just in general on this topic? Yeah, I think I focused a lot today on my experiences and, you know, kind of setting the scene for the doctor's appointment and Mm -hmm. uh, some other moms, what they shared about their reactions to the questionnaire. I know I wasn't super heavy on what exactly to do or what to prepare for, uh, but I really think that's individualized. And if it's something that you need help with, I definitely recommend looking up local resources in your area. You know, I know in my area, there is breastfeeding support groups. If you're breastfeeding, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that the breastfeeding support group could maybe connect you with another mom support group, you know, whatever exists in your area, just ask them questions. Maybe mm-hmm. that is somewhere where the internet can work for you. Right. You have my permission to Google that, spend time on Google (laughs) with that, is just looking up mom support groups in your area um, in person. You know, don't go on all those Facebook groups. Some of them are okay, but too much, too many Facebook groups is, is not great sometimes. It could be a rabbit (laughs) hole. Coming from experience. Yes. So I know I wasn't, super, uh, I didn't have a lot of resources for how to deal with it, but I think that's because it is so individualized and it is something so personal. And so Mm -hmm. that is something where you kind of do have to do the research and the preparation for that. I can't give you the answer. I can just give you my experience 
And I know I said a couple of the things that helped, you know, the less of the internet and Googling and things like that. But mm-hmm. I I did open up in therapy and I went to support groups. They were all on Zoom because of COVID. But just find what works for you is my suggestion on that. Yeah. And I think a, a big component might be, and again, it's, it's not speaking from a place of experience, but just listening to all this and hearing your story is advocate for yourself and that could be really hard um and that could look different you know for everyone but even if it is like Brie mentioned um going off and seeking support groups in your area uh looking up you know people that might be able to help connect you or people that you can just comfortably have conversations with even maybe before it's a therapist right or a medical professional and so yeah there's a lot to be said on this topic um i'm just happy that you know, you were willing to share this experience with others. We're going to have a lot of different things linked below as well, right? Some some resources, uh, you know, ways to identify postpartum. We're going to link that questionnaire and a lot more things below. So if anyone is curious or knows someone that is struggling or struggling themselves, please go and check out some of those resources and just help maybe kickstart that journey towards, you know, you taking care of you. And so that way you can be the best version of yourself for that little baby, right? So We want to thank you all so much today for listening in, for being a part of this very well-needed discussion. Thank you again to Bree for sharing her personal story. We hope you will join us for our next episode.